in exchange, I want you to send me a gift-wrapped box of Agile, okay? I will. <laughs> it's going to smell really bad when you get it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This podcast is going to be all about me getting coaching from people I work with. So I'm very lucky that I work with really smart people and I am trying to help some friends of mine figure out something out and I need help. So I'm very fortunate in that AJ Sanford and Andrew Fuqua have taken time out of their afternoon to help me kind of work through this problem. I have some basic ideas about it, but we'll talk about that in a minute and then they will straighten my head out. So um, before we get started, AJ, can you tell the folks a little bit about kind of your background and the work you're doing at Leading Agile? Yes, hello. My name is AJ Sanford. I am a consultant with Leading Agile and my background is really, I've got a lot of focus around release management, um, operationally, help to um, roll out some lean and Kanban um, tools for some teams. Also um, helped with an Agile transformation as a client prior to coming on to Leading Agile. So had to create a lot of different um, processes and a lot of different tools for our teams as we went through a transformation. Cool. All right. Thank you. And Andrew. Hi. So, uh, <laughs> hello there. We were all saying very nice things about Andrew when he jumped on the call and then we told yeah. him we weren't talking about him. Yeah, and, and AJ said, uh, you know, I was uh, I was one of the consultants where AJ was our client. She joined Leading Agile in spite of me. So, you know, I don't feel too bad about that at all. Um, so I've been at Leading Agile for, uh, I guess, uh, six years now. And um, uh, I'm a consultant like AJ, and my background is from, uh, from an Agile perspective. It's from an extreme programming background. Uh, from the late 90s, and uh, most of my background in the 80s and 90s was from uh, and 2000s, and and uh, it's uh, independent software vendors. I worked uh, for IBM and Internet Security Systems and another uh, another small uh, independent software vendor. Had various roles like uh, I've been a development for quite a, in development for quite a while, and also in management, product line management, and uh, and so forth. So that's my background. All right. Thank you. Um, okay. So I'm going to set this up. And part of what I'm going to try to explain when we first started talking about the topic, um, there was some stuff that Andrew had questions about. So I'm going to try to answer the questions in the setup. So um, the reason we're doing the podcast, I originally asked for folks who could, who would be willing to take time kind of walking me through how to create a value stream map for an organization. And the reason that I was asking for that is because I work, or I did spend a lot of time talking with folks from digital agencies, and I've been very fortunate to be part of the Digital PM Summit a number of times. And one of the, the challenges there is that Scrum's a really weird fit. And some of the reasons behind that are the fact that you generally don't have fully dedicated teams. You've got people working with like five different teams at once on like seven different projects with 17 different clients. They're constantly being moved around. Um, the nature of the way the work flows is that you can't just be on one thing because you have to wait for the client a couple of weeks to give you feedback or it's like a two-week banner campaign plus you're doing this website redesign. It's going to take months. There's just all different kinds of work coming in and the historical relationship with the client is very throw it over the wall. 
um, the client doesn't always expect to be as engaged as we would need them to be for an agile team. So a lot of the stuff that from a leading agile perspective, we consider foundational, um, you don't have that. And these companies are trying to do scrum and it doesn't really fit. And a lot of them, at least the ones that I've talked to, people feel like this guilt because they're doing scrum wrong. And to me, it seems like Kanban is a much better fit. And one of the things that I was thinking was if we could just map out the workflow, like just to start, if we could start with sales and map it all the way through delivery and, and have some sort of Kanban focused approach there and look at where the whip limits are and start to understand where waste, where waste lies in the system, then who cares if it's agile or waterfall, these companies could start to take agile practices perhaps and use them to get better at what they're doing and better at delivering value for the customer. So that's kind of where I was coming from. And then we got into this discussion about if it should be a process map or a value stream map. So I'm just going to throw it to you guys and let you tell me what we should do. Cause I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, David, that sounds pretty good. So your, your hunch is that uh, have a system that probably, I mean, they're, these are successful companies, right? I mean, these, these aren't. No, they're successful. They, they not, tend to be small, yeah. like 50 people. Um, and and one, it just bugs me that they feel bad about doing agile wrong, and they're so hung up on doing agile and doing agile right when there's not really a win for doing Scrum for them. I mean, it's 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 just at odds. We don't we can't create the ecosystem there that they need for Scrum to work. So they need something right. So the the Kanban method totally seems to fit there. I mean, it's start where you are understand the the work as as it is map out the the flow of value um uh, measure and manage flow and endeavor to make or get everybody to agree that we're going to make continuous process improvement uh sounds like exactly what they want to do they want to learn lean or agile techniques or methods or principles and find ways of applying to that uh, uh to that process and the kanban method is the perfect approach Okay. So do we go value stream or process? And how would you both characterize the difference? I mean, maybe AJ, maybe you should take this one because you were the one, I think it was saying process, yeah. right? Yeah, I was. Well, and I do want to add to, um, you know, I've done um, some stuff with a couple of different teams, an operational team and also an HR team. Um, operations is really hard fit for Scrum. Um, and so what we did, we looked at it and said, let's go Kanban, kind of same with the HR team. Um, you really just want to be able to manage the input um, and you're getting work from all sorts of different teams. And so as we stood back and looked at it, there are different um, scrum practices that you can include a daily standup, um, you know, there's and how you process your work. Um, you can use different techniques, but, you know, at the height of it all, it's really about how that work is flowing through the system. Um, you know, with my operations team, they were doing ticket management. And so from that perspective, I'm not going to have them create um, some sort of a task or a sticky note on a visual board for every single issue that they're working. And so it's a matter of looking at their time, looking at their capacity and working through that with them and figuring out what the right flow is. Okay. So, so from, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, so from a value stream mapping perspective, um, you know, and yes, I did kind of talk to you a little bit about, I think process mapping is a little bit better fit. So from a value stream mapping perspective, you know, what you're really doing is a lot of um, measurements. You're doing a lot of across an entire ecosystem. 
um, where I think process mapping is a better fit when it's more kind of interdepartmental, um, you know, teams need to really understand processes um, within the scope of the work that they do, not necessarily a broader picture. Okay, so if, um, is that something that, that, that I could use if I was trying to track how, I mean, the original idea that I had was, uh, part of the struggle these companies have is the sales cycle. So sales is very waterfall and people are incentivized by a signature. So that comes in the door, however it comes in. And oftentimes there's no discussion with anybody who's gonna work on the thing until after the contract is signed. And it's fixed bid, fixed price, fixed scope, which will obviously change. Um, can I use a process map to track from that point, from the like inception of sales all the way through to delivery? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's pretty easy to do. So, you know, I, what I would do is create some work streams, um, you know, even using just a Visio um, swim lanes of, you know, the different teams and interactions. You can start with one group. Um, the key is, I mean, the sessions to really get a very good process map, the sessions need to be pretty detailed. So you need your SMEs in there. You need the people that really truly know the process and you need a time commitment from them. Um, in order to get it, because it's a lot of asking questions about why. Um, and so with my release team, for instance, I would go in and sit with my team. Well, I had done their job, but I had to remove myself from that so that I could sit down and say, okay, well, why do you do this? And how long does it take? And, you know, I did some basic metrics on there so that eventually once we had it process mapped, my goal for them was to kind of start looking at where can we streamline things? Where can we maybe combine some things? Maybe we were doing some things other teams should be doing. And so there were some benefits um, long-term from that. But you, know, you really just need to kind of sit down and figure out what your teams are, um, who the key people are and just get everybody or get them in a room. And it does need to be everybody because that would probably be a little bit much. <laughs> okay. I want to check in with you both on the difference between value stream and process map. So part of my understanding of it originally was I want to see where things are waiting in queue, where they're sitting on the shelf, not getting worked on because of X, Y, or Z. And I want to start to decide which of those things is the biggest burden so we can start to fix them. Am I going to get that out of either? Like maybe I'm, I'm not clear totally. Maybe you guys can explain the difference between the two systems, between a value stream map and a process map. Well, let me uh, jump in. Yeah. Uh, so um, one of the things that you said is you want to be able to see how long things wait in a queue or, or where the delay is. And once you get this in a, in a Kanban system, once you figure out how you want to map that out in some kind of a tool, you can start measuring the actuals. And uh, measuring the actuals in Kanban, I, I believe, is, is the right way to go. Uh, interviewing people and taking some samples beforehand while you're trying to understand the situation is good. Um, but I think for what you're asking for, you'll, you'll want to actually measure that in the Kanban system. So now I'm, I'm going to ask AJ, here's how I would characterize or describe a, a process map. I'd like to see if, uh, if she kind of concurs with this. Uh, when I think of a process map, I'm thinking of I've got a handful of departments or roles or people and work goes back and forth between them. And in a process map, I wanna map out these roles or departments as swim lanes. And anytime there's a, an information flow or a handoff of work that goes back and forth, I want to draw that on the map. And I'll probably in a process map will want to get much more detailed 
with the uh, specific process steps than I would in a value stream map. Whereas in a value stream map, I, I, I only want to uh, note handoffs. I, I don't want to get into the uh, steps with any particular process. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's fair. So yeah. this is good because my understanding of process map is clearly very wrong. <laughs> I was just thinking it was step by step, almost like what you put on a Kanban board, but you're talking about a lot more detail. Yeah, it's absolutely more detailed. So what I would say is a good example might be with, I'm going to use a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So for a process map, I would use different swim lanes um, and even different columns. And so from there, I would say, okay, I'm going to go to the store. Well, when I go to the store, what do I do? Um, I park my car. I go to the aisle where the bread is. I buy the bread. I go and I buy the peanut butter, get the jelly. So I'm hitting three different aisles. How long is it taking me to go to the store, um, do my checkout, head home, um, unpack my car? And so it's very step-by-step. Um, next, you know, I go into my kitchen, I get my knife out, I open it up, and how long do each of those steps take in the process? Um, so again, when I said earlier, it's a really detailed, you know, trying to understand how long things take. Um, and the goal of it really is to make sure that you have a good workflow um, so you can raise it up, but you also, so you'll kind of have a high level. So um, go to the store might be your top, you know, box, if you will. Um, under that, you would have those individual steps that I laid out um, and the time attached. So then once I get home, then I would say making the sandwich. And that would be my next bigger, higher end um, workflow step. And then, you know, making the sandwich and go through each of those steps and how long that takes um, would really be kind of maybe a good mental visual of how I would go about doing that type of a process now. So does that mean that you're then going to come up with assumptions like, hey, I think if we buy all the peanut butter in bulk, we only have to go to the store once a month, or we can at least not go down that aisle. Um, and that'll save us X amount of time, which can translate into dollars. Like, is that, I mean, are you going to form assumptions about things you want to test here? Or is it just to create clarity on the actual step-by-step -step process? I would say creating clarity um, and making sure that you have a thorough understanding of it. Now, okay. it would be a tool to be used to create some sort of a future step, future state. Um, so once you have everything into and documented, you could take a step back from it and say, okay, here's how much time I spend going to the store every week to buy my peanut butter. Well, if I went to Costco once a month, I'm going to save time and I'm going to save money by buying you know, a larger version of it or whatever it might be. Okay. Um, and are you tracking cost, any kind of cost here or just steps? So what I have seen um, is really more of a um, resource cost and it's pretty generalized. So understanding the role of who completes um, that task and then doing an average salary type thing. Okay. So what about where would we finally break? How would we use this to find um, points of waste or things we wanted to fix in the system? Like once we had this all completely sorted out, and I'm going to come back and ask questions about it in a second as soon as they make more sense in my head and I can articulate them, but um, <laughs> yeah. how, how do we figure out where the broken bits are? 
Well, and I think, you know, one of the things you can do is from a visual standpoint and as you're documenting it, um, make things different colors. Um, as they're, you know, as the people that you're talking to, your SMEs, um, as they are expressing some concern, because naturally as you have this dialogue with them, they'll tell you where they're frustrated. Um, they'll tell you where they think something could be better. And I always make, point, make a point to um, take a lot of notes during those sessions because people are super passionate about the work that they do. And they absolutely um, will, you know, give you recommendations. They'll tell you if something's broken. They will tell you if something is awesome, if they created something to make it better. And so you can go through and, like I said, highlight boxes, different colors, and then go back um, afterwards and look across the hole and say, okay, this really need it, needs to maybe be looked at because, you know, in another department handles all of this type of work, yet this group is doing it. So why are they doing it instead of this other group? Or, you know, this is a duplicate um, task being done. So as I talk to four different groups, I see that three of the groups are doing the exact same thing. Is there a need for that? Um, so those are just kind of some checks I think you can do. Andrew, do you have any, any thoughts? No, I thought that was a good description. Um, since uh, we kind of wanted to relate this back to value stream mapping, I'd say that um, analyzing them from a big picture, you're, you're drawing boxes of, of steps or of processes and information flows, right? And, uh, and in either case, you could start out with a pen and paper or a whiteboard and, and then maybe go to Visio later to make it a little more presentable. In either case, you have some scope that you're interested in. Um, with the process map, you're probably a little more interested in um, some particular, well, I guess in either case, you're, you're interested in some product or product group or, or uh, task that needs to be done. With process mapping, I, I see it more like there's a handful of parties involved and stuff's going back and forth between them. Uh, and you're a little bit more focused on uh, the process and the process steps itself. Whereas in value stream mapping, it's a little, uh, the, the work generally is flowing through a factory and you, you don't usually go back and forth between uh, the, the same groups. It's more uh, process steps instead of role or person or group based. Uh, and tends to be a little bit more linear um, and value stream mapping tends to be a little bit more, um, uh, you would think of it as from concept to cash or from raw material to finished good. If that spans multiple companies, you may want to limit your scope of your value stream mapping to from the coming in the factory door to leaving your factory door from uh, only from what's within your company. From that perspective, either way, you want to follow the the flow of information through the system and make sure you don't miss any uh, handoffs or any information flows. So you want to uh, follow the flow of work through the um, through the organization in either case. So in many respects there you could if you look at it as a, at a high level they're they're kind of the same 
Okay. You end up with a bunch of boxes and arrows. <laughs> well, so let me let me check in with you on this because I'm trying to think through this in my head, and then I may have an example that that'll work because I think the process side might want this. I don't know if the value stream would. So, in a new engagement, let's say I'm going to build a banner campaign, um, and I've got an external client. Now, for what I was talking about, I wasn't really thinking of including the external client beyond representing the fact that, like, to get feedback from them, there might be delays, and I'd want to know the time range. But when we start the work, we have to come to terms on not just the contract and the statement of work, but also the branding, the styling, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever other details. In the process map, instead of like back in the day when I would have done it, it would have just been a big box that said work with client to get details. Um, I'm assuming that with, with what you're talking about, AJ, that I'm going to want to create a list of all those artifacts that I have to receive before I can start work. Yeah, um, things yeah, like that, yeah. right? Yep, you definitely want to capture your um, inputs, the outputs of each of the steps. Okay. You know, you want to kind of understand what are your critical steps, where the decision points are. So those are all things that you want to um, capture and think about as you're creating a detailed map. When when you're both working with these with clients on these, whether it's value stream or process, how do you coach them down from the ledge of, well, I want it to be this way, or well, it should be this way, or this is the way it's supposed to happen into actually capturing what really happens? I would say from my standpoint, you know, really just kind of having empathy for them and explaining what it is that you're trying to capture. Um, I, I also want them to be kind of real as far as share some of those things with me. Um, and there's points where I'll even ask, okay, you sound a little bit frustrated about that. Tell me a little bit more, why are you frustrated? Um, you know, where do you think this could maybe be done a little bit better? I will actually dig into that um, a little bit with, with some groups and some people, depending on um, the situation. But, you know, I think help, it's just constantly kind of redirecting them back and saying, okay, understand that you want it to be this way, but how do you do it today? And asking a lot of those types of questions. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, I would add that uh, in either case, the, the point is not to draw the map. The, the point is to, and, and an even better point, whether you're value stream mapping or process mapping, you're probably doing it because you want to, you have a future state in mind. So uh, at least value stream mapping, you often want to draw a current state and a future state and then figure out how you're going to, to get to the future state from the current state. So I don't, don't know that I would characterize it as trying to talk them off of the ledge and talk them out of trying to um, uh, draw how they want it to work because actually we want, we want, as AJ said, we do want to know those things. Now we may have uh, differing opinions on on what a good solution is, and we can have that conversation. Um, but yes, current state and future state is good. And and I'll add one more thing about the Kanban method: is when you're drawing your Kanban, you might not implement it. Often won't implement it very literally. There's there's some things that you can um, Combined, there may be some some steps or, or whatnot that that come out in the conversation that you really don't need to model as separate steps on your Kanban. So even in that case, um, your model doesn't have to complete reality. 
Okay. But I'm, I'm assuming that the process map would have a lot more detail than the Kanban board. That's just showing states of work, right? I would agree that a process map probably has a lot of information. It's got the, the documents that need to pass, the, the information, details on, on what it is in the information flow, whereas a value stream map is a little bit more focused on the delays between each step, the, right. the lead time through the system, the, the how much time is uh, value add uh, each step. Uh, how much work in process we have at each step, uh, where are their backflows, how many times does it have to go backwards because of uh, quality issues. Okay. But it can gloss over, like when I have a process in a work cell or in a work group or in a scrum team, I don't map out, I'm, I'm not going to, in a value stream map, I'm not going to talk about the steps that they go through because there's no, there's no delay in there. There's no handoff in there. Right. What I'm focused on on the value stream map is the, the information flows or the material flows or the workflows between process groupings. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, what I was saying about um, the difference between like current and future, it wasn't – my concern there is more that – a good example, when I'm in class and we're talking about definition of done and I ask them for it, you know, they'll offer up things that are supposed to happen. But when I ask if it always happens, they're like, oh, no, you know, that's just what we're supposed to do. And <laughs> I, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm kind of wanting to be a real stickler for getting clarity on the truth of what's happening and kind of towards it. And when you, when you have both done this kind of stuff in the past, I just want to see if this makes sense. It seems to me like you would want to create whatever draft of this you can, but then there's going to have to be a period where you're watching what's happening in real life and seeing where you were wrong in your map. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's definitely a go-see part to it. Um, you know, when, so Andrew is mentioning, you know, with value stream mapping, it's really kind of identifying wastes um, between and within process. So very waste focused where, you know, from a process mapping perspective, it is, really more from a customer perspective, what are you getting to for that customer? So when you say, you know, point of sale, um, if that were where we were gonna start our process map, we've got all of our signed papers, what are the inputs? And by the end of it, what does that delivery look like? Um, and what are all the actions that happen behind the scenes to make sure that that delivery is seamless for the customer? Um, so as you go through and once you've documented all that, it's absolutely beneficial and I highly recommend kind of doing a go see. So if you've, you know, identified team A, team B and team C, you know, you'll want to go sit down with them, kind of interview them. Hey, show me what you do when you enter this. Um, and you can even do a little bit of a time study if you want to go that deep into it. There's obviously different levels, um, but I think it's an important step to make sure that you are understanding and that you have your process map um, correct. Okay. Can I throw a wrench into it and see how this messes up what you just said? Yeah. Okay. So their clients don't care. Their clients don't care if they use waterfall or scrum or scrummerfall or. Yep. You know, they, just want they, they just want the stuff. Yep. And so where we would argue for outcome and value to the customer, I don't know if that's so much a concern here because the thing's going to come out of the system and be right for the client one way or another, even if they end up doing work for free at the end. 
this is more what's happening inside the sausage factory. So is the customer then internal and we're just looking at becoming more efficient? And if so, does that change anything? That could be one, but it could also be cost to your customer, right? So um, yeah, the customers don't care how they get it. They don't care what's happening behind the scenes. And I'd say that's fair for most, you know, most external customers. Um, they just know that they want their product and they want it timely. And so I think you have to look at your goals and, you know, what is your purpose for um, wanting to understand your process? Is it to, you know, um, reduce headcount? Is it to reduce steps in your process? Is it to um, be able to offer a better value to your customer by lowering their prices? What's the ultimate goal of it? Okay. Andrew, do you have anything to add on to that? I don't think I do. Okay. AJ is awesome. <laughs> All right, I know. And AJ finished while I was writing down a question, so I was totally unprepared for the end of the time. I'm just well, going to be transparent about that. All right, so... Well, I could throw in, uh, since you mentioned, uh, sometimes you'll ask people their definition of done, and, and then you ask them, do they really do that? And they say, well, of course not. Um, yeah, that, that happens. Um, and in, in that case, I will... I'll have an aspirational definition of done. I, I say, here are the things we're absolutely going to adhere to. And then I'll list a few more things that, that I'll, I'll literally, and you say aspirational, are, are coming soon. And we as a team will work towards those things. Okay. Um, okay. That's cool. Thank you. So, what it's worth. All right. So I, I have three more questions for you. I'm going to try to keep it kind of short because I know we've been at this for a little while and I don't want people to feel too overwhelmed. Um, let's say that I create the map. I've got all the steps listed. I've got the inputs and outputs defined. And I'm, maybe I'm even tracking the, the average time between one step and the next. And I know the handoff points. What's next? What do I do with that? Depends on your goal. Because there's a big part of me that wants to be like, oh, well, it depends. You know, you're agile, so you just get better. But that's not very concrete. <laughs> so yeah. I want I want to give these like, okay, do this, then do that. So. Yeah, so I, I do. I think it kind of depends on what your goals are. So if your goals are to, um, you know, reduce um, time spent in a certain area, I would go look at what are what are the different steps, you know, that are included in that area and where are you spending your most time? And then start okay. to dig in even more there. Um, and so what I think you have to do is really understand what your goals are. Then I think you need to prioritize based on your the teams you know that are part of that whole process. Um, some teams may not be touched. Um, other teams may you know see quite a bit of change. Um, if you know that if you continue to hear people complaining about certain processes or you know that um, the customer's product gets held up in a certain area, that would be a great area to go start digging into and figuring out what are some ways that we can make that more efficient. Okay. Andrew, you have anything to add to that? No, I think if I said anything, it'd be uh, pretty much the same stuff. It's, okay. uh, understand why you did the map in the first place if it was for if it was to solve a particular problem and if the uh, map helps you see and come up and uh, get agreement on a new uh, uh, approach to solve that problem then then publish your future state map and come up with an implementation plan and implement it if it was all about figuring out well how do we i want to model my my kanban board um, then 
the next step maybe go implement your Kanban board. Okay. Um, so, so again, like AJ said, it kind of depended on uh, what you were doing it for in the first place. So is it fair to say that this kind of approach, I mean, one of the things about Kanban that strikes me is that it's like this meta level approach to getting better and, and the, the focus becomes more about becoming more efficient or at least understanding the choices you're making better as a company than it is about just delivering in a sprint. Is that, mm-hmm. it seems like it has a different quality focus than Scrum does. I, I would definitely say that most implementate or many implementations of the Kanban method that I have seen miss the last step, which is get everybody uh, from top to bottom to agree to do uh, incremental evolutionary changes uh, and improvement to the system and get everybody uh, bought into that. Okay. Um, uh, you know, so many people just make the work visible and as good as making the work visible is they don't, they don't move on to actually measuring and managing and improving flow and improving the system. Okay. So here's the annoying so, yeah, question. Uh, so, okay. So the combine con- method to, to me, an intentional, stronger uh, expectation of improvement than does Scrum, in okay. my opinion, though. All right. Um, here's the annoying question I have for you both, because I know somebody's going to ask me this. If they do this, if they create this process map and they have all the inputs and outputs, you know, AJ, like you, you suggested, and maybe they're tracking the time and they're finding waste in the system and they're exploring how to use different, how to tweak different things to get better and more efficient, can they say that they're agile? And if not, what's a better question? Well, I I guess my concern there is it's not a matter of being agile. It is a matter of um, applying different practices. And you're going to apply lean techniques. You're going to apply some agile techniques. You're going to apply different things along the way as you go. Um, I just, you know, when you brought up earlier that they feel almost bad that they're not doing it right and i'm using (laughs) that in air quotes um you know that actually it kind of breaks my heart because there's no there's no right or wrong way i mean there's practices that you know as a scrum team that you do but i think kanban is just as effective um you know agile is about making making things run smoothly doing it in smaller batches so as they go through and look at maybe some areas to improve, add it to your Kanban board, make sure that there's time for those improvements um, and make sure that, you know, as you're going about it, you're doing it efficiently. So whether that means you have a daily standup, even if it's three days a week um, and you're sharing the accomplishments and you're making progress towards that work, I think that that's a huge improvement over where a lot of teams are today. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I guess if they wanted to see if if they just wanted to feel like they're agile, they want to uh, uh, raise the themselves. They want to be able to see that they're kind of standard. If, if if you know if if that's if that's useful or beneficial for them, then I guess I'd go to the Agile Manifesto and look at the the principles and. Uh, uh, evaluate which of those are applicable to their problem and their environment and uh, uh, see if there's something that they could learn or apply from that. Um, okay. But, but I, I think uh, AJ has the, has the best answer. Yeah. It's not really about um, 
being agile or not. It's just, I, the, the people do seem to get really kind of hung up on that. Like agile is the thing that they need. The outcome they're looking for is agile. And where I would think we would kind of approach it, like, no, that's just a way of doing work or exactly. sets of practices that they can get you whatever. Um, okay. So do you, do either of you have, um, suggestions for where people can learn more about this stuff well if they want to learn about value stream mapping i would go get the book uh, learning to see by mike rother though it's uh very much written from a manufacturing perspective you could uh, easily apply it to uh to knowledge work or to uh product design okay I would say our leading agile website. I mean, we have a lot of information out there. Um, we have a lot of blog posts people have written. You can do some searches on different things um, and, you know, access different things. The agile manifesto is a great one. I love that suggestion, Andrew. Um, and, you know, if they're, I'd be curious too, to find out like where that's coming from is somebody telling them, nope, you have to be agile. And do they understand what that means? So, oh, I think a lot of them don't, but, yeah. um, but it is, that's one thing that's happened in, I mean, we all know this, but um, people think like, oh, I got to get the agile, then everything's going to be awesome. <laughs> um, but, but what that means is totally vague. They just want a box of it. Um, I mean, I think <laughs> if you dig down into it, what they really, what they really want is they want to be able to deliver stuff to their customers with less hassle. And they want to be able to do more faster, but they're still locked in this loop of multitasking. And that's the way that things are structured. And the relationship with the client is still very much, you know, client snaps their fingers and you jump. Um, so it's, there's a lot of uh, historical dysfunction, I think, that has to be resolved um, to get to a state where we would say, oh, you're actually partnering with your client. That's awesome. Um, but that's, that's a, maybe a longer game. And that's sort of what I was thinking that this kind of approach could help to create more clarity on, oh, well, you know, this is kind of jacked up that we work this way. It doesn't actually help anything. Um, maybe it worked 20 years ago, but it doesn't fit now. So <laughs> yep. um, it, it definitely will. Yeah. Cool. All right. So thank you both for doing this. I am, I am very appreciative. Um, AJ, if people want to get in touch with you after the podcast, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, so uh, my email is probably the best way. It's uh, aj.sanford at leadingagile.com. Um, otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn as AJ Sanford. Okay, and I'll include links to both of those. And Mr. Fuqua? Uh, ditto. Uh, you can email me at aj.sanford at... <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly the same. That's uh, the first uh, time you've used... Wait, hold on. This is important. Because that's the first time Andrew's used sarcasm in a podcast with me ever. I love it. Yes. I love it too. <laughs> you can also email me at Andrew at leadingagile.com or find me on LinkedIn. It's uh, not, I'm not uh, too terribly hard to find. Okay, cool. I thank you both for doing this. I am, I am grateful to you. And so are the people that I'm going to share this with. So thank you. And how hey, Dave. Uh, yes. In, in, in exchange, I want you to send me a gift wrapped box of agile. Okay. I will. It's going to smell really bad when you get it. <laughs> FedEx it might be a little steamy, but yes, I will absolutely send you that. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you both. Thank you, Dave.